Yes, yes, y'all. We're back for another one. It's the First Fridays podcast. I'm your host, your girl, none other than Ali Don, the goddess MC. And today I'm joined by a special guest, singer, songwriter, collaborator. Uh, woo! Jazzy Wolf is here. I'm so glad that you agreed to do this interview because I really wanted to get you on the podcast because you have such a signature name and a signature sound. When I saw you perform at Herdman's Hideaway on the 420 show, when you came out on stage, it was like epic. The introduction you had, I mean, you got the crowd to participate. I mean, you came out on stage. I mean, I remember you were like, hey, I want to make sure that people howl. When I get out on stage, I'm like, okay, what is she talking about? Like, what is it about to happen when she walks out on this stage and everybody is like, oh, woo! like five minutes like it was crazy and I'm like you know this girl really has something with her name the way she comes out on stage your stage presence I really, <laughs> you know I was really impressed and so I just wanted to ask you first and foremost like how did you come up with your name and what impact does a signature name have on you as an artist well, you know, honestly, the way that came about my name was I was moving to a new town. I was moving from Colorado to California and I knew I was getting ready to start a new life. So I was like, I'm going to I'm going to pick a new name. My real name is different than Jazzy. Jazzy is not my real name, obviously. So I started telling everybody to call me Jazzy, so it became it became a real name for me. And then it, it became it, my original artist name actually used to be an Antonio but everybody started calling me Jazzy so it came a point where I was going to change my Instagram name to, to Jazzy but Jazzy was taken so I had to put some sort of ending to it so Wolf was like the one the first thing that came to mind and after that it was like the fans started associating Wolf to, with Jazzy so people started calling me Jazzy Wolf so I would go do interviews or perform at places and people would just automatically be introducing me as Jazzy Wolf they just associated with, with that because that's what my Instagram handle was so then just recently maybe like a couple months ago is when I made the switch and I changed all my platforms from it used to be it was Antonio Monet and then it became Jazzy and now it's Jazzy Wolf and it was really because everybody was was associating that name for me i would go places and people would be like oh we got the wolf is in the building or what's up wolf and it just really it just really stood out so and you know what it, it it became so so good for me as well because wolf is a very great way for me to market myself because now i have a mascot basically that it goes with jazzy so it's like jazzy the wolf so everywhere i go i could always put a wolf with me so then people remember me as jazzy the wolf that's true. It's almost like Kanye, like that college dropout bear. Yeah, that we would see. exactly. Exactly. So do you have somebody who can dress up in a wolf costume and bring you Come out on stage? One day. No, nah, I'm going to get a real wolf on the stage one day. <laughs> yeah, Scare that's... everybody. No, <laughs> <laughs> They'll be too scared. They were like, what kind of show is this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is not what we paid for. <laughs> All right, so when I was looking through all of your music, your catalog on the streaming platforms, I was on Apple Music, iTunes, checking you out. Now, for one, I really like your name because it's so easy to find you on there. 
you know, the way you spell your name is so unique, J-H-A-Z-Z-Y, Jazzy Wolf, and I was able to find you right away, and not only your songs, but also the songs that you've featured on, um, worked with other artists, and all the collaborations that you've done, and I, it's so great that you have that, because it kind of makes you look like you're more solidified, you know, when I scroll through your catalog and I can like scroll through even the artists where you're featured on on the streaming platforms you have so many other options that pop up to be able to listen to your music and hear how you collaborate with other artists so I want to ask like how important is it to collaborate with other artists I would say it's very important to collaborate with other artists me personally as an artist I thrive off of experience and off of what's around me so what has really helped me move forward as an artist is being around other artists and learning how to work with other artists and another really important reason to to collaborate with other artists is when you're working with somebody who's similar to you or you make a song that's you know of course if their fans like them they're gonna like you too so it's just a huge way to get a bigger outreach you reach out to their fans they reach out to your fans so then you just gain such a, a widened experience that then when you know their fans are looking up their name your name is going to be there too on their featured items and they're going to be like oh who's this who's so and so and they're going to click your name and in your profile but there always comes a time in life where you do want to add value to to collaboration and you do want to start charging for features so it's very important to collaborate with artists as well so that way you even have the experience so that way you can put a price on your worth because you can say i've done this 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 is how far it's gone you're able to show proof so collaborating with other people is extremely important now have you ever worked with a collaborator and things just didn't work out you couldn't put out the song or just something just wasn't vibing right with with the project or anything like that oh yes of course plenty of plenty of times i can tell you so many stories and I'll, I'll sum it up i've had experiences where i've collaborated with men where maybe they liked me or maybe we had some sort of relationship involved so then the music is never going to come out because obviously things happened and it didn't last i've had situations where i've worked with people and the vibe just wasn't there i just didn't like how they worked so we just never finished the work and i've had situations where there was like arguments happening like hostility in the room you know so then the studio session didn't work because you have to remember music is very emotional for artists for us artists like even though for people who are listening to it they listen to it and, and they get emotional just listening to the music so imagine how emotional it can be for the people that's making the music so there's always going to be some situations but I'd say by far for me the worst were the ones that included uh, relationships where it was like some sort of relationship involved with with a man and I wasn't able to get my music or I just I don't even want to listen to the song anymore I just deleted it because wow. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to remember. Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, music is emotional and it can have a way of triggering certain memories and certain moments that we experience and then it just sucks that you had some negative experiences just working with men who who like you and that kind of messes up the business it just messes with your creativity and just hinders your ability to put out music and just reminds me of your story that you were talking about when you told me about when you were in california yeah and you know i have a good example that reminds me of something that i always think you know amy winehouse if you've ever watched her live performances she would like be on stage like a like a wreck and you know what i honestly think it is 
I think that she was living her life, repeating these songs over and over and over again that really, truly invoked her heartbreak and it really brought her to a place of pain that the only way she could go through that and force herself to sing those heartbreaking songs was for her to be intoxicated and drunk. And I think she was like living in her pain because her music was so emotional for her. If you listen to her lyrics and when she talks about it, it's like, damn, Amy, who hurt you? Right. That's why she was so messed up on the stage all the time. I look at her performances sometimes and I'm like, you know what? I think I might have had to be drunk too to be singing about that and it bring me back to a place because I might be losing my mind too thinking about how somebody broke my heart like that. <laughs> music is kind of like therapy being able to let out those lyrics being able to get out those emotions but there is a line that we have to draw where it's also triggering it's therapeutic yeah. but the line but there's a thin line between the therapeuticness of it and then the triggerness aspect of it yeah you're right and thinking about like just being drunk like that just reminds me of when you were you were sharing with me before about how you had to basically watch what you would do in public like watch what you would do when you're out at a venue whether you're performing yeah. Or even if you're just hanging out, like it can be so challenging to try to make sure that you're watching every single thing that you're doing because you never know when someone's going to pull out a camera, start recording you and be like, oh, look at look at what Jazzy Wolf was doing today. Exactly. Or whatever. I can't Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus my way through the industry. <laughs> I'm always going to look like Jazzy Wolf wherever I go. So I always have to remember that, especially when I just recently moved back to my hometown after being away for like eight years. So when I first came out here, I, I felt like almost a kid again. Of course, I wanted to go back and go party and go be crazy with all my old high school friends. But then it was a time where people were like recognizing me for my music that I didn't know before. So then it's like when I'm in a time when I'm trying not to be Jazzy Wolf and I just want to be young again and I don't want to be business and I don't want to have to hold myself to that standard. I still have to because somebody, you never know when somebody's going to come up to you and ask you about your music. And even when some people ask me, oh, so what do you do? I'm always going to say music. And that always opens up a big conversation. So I always have to make sure I have a great first impression because every person I meet, I want them to listen to my music and support me and come to my shows as I would do the same for them. So always got to make sure I'm keeping I don't want to be all who knows I could be at a party and like Chris Brown walks in and I'm too drunk to talk to him how horrible would that be <laughs> I'm too drunk to go yeah. talk to Chris Brown and say hey I'm Jazzy Wolf I'm gonna be so drunk he's gonna be looking at me like a regular girl right I mean that can hinder your opportunities and close some doors for you I mean you just never know so let me ask you this so when you're at a party everything is turned up or even when you're in the studio you're feeling the vibes and say you are around somebody who who likes you and you're still trying to keep it professional like how challenging is it to have integrity or keep your integrity in the music industry especially as a woman yeah, it's, it's, it's as a woman, it's, it can be very challenging keeping integrity because for me personally, I always find that when men are always trying to use my music as a conversation starter, as a way to get me to like them or they'll say they want to do something for my music, but it always ties back to like them like wanting me or liking me. So it's really hard to keep integrity in, in the music industry because it's easy for us to sell ourselves short. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of times when you're in the studio and and guys want to offer you all this stuff for free, but then they want something in the end. So, 
You always have to make that decision, especially because we are living in a time that sex sells. And being a woman, you know, that's it's, it's so hard. They always just want to want to put this image on you that that you don't want you don't want to portray and you know you know how it is being a woman sometimes you can't even dress a certain way without them portraying you as an image so when you're an artist people are always trying to steer you in a, in a certain direction i feel like especially as a woman so it's, it's hard it's hard to keep to keep integrity as far as just business relationships and meeting people and trusting people but also in a sense of when you're when you're in public and you want to keep your your appearance and your your first impression you got to make sure you're you're always going to be ready you're going to you have to look you have to look the part you have to play the part all the time yeah and stay ready stay ready stay ready I remember I was watching an interview not too long ago on the Fat Joe show and Maya was there and, you know, he was asking her, like, uh, what's, what's going on? Are you single? Like, do you have a man? I know, it, like, Maya was everybody's crush back in the day. Like, what's going on? And she said she just focuses on her business. You know, she doesn't even entertain conversations about relationships or someone is even interested in her at this time. Like, she just is strictly business. And you can totally tell with every interview, with every conversation. Like, she doesn't even leave the door open for anybody to even come at her in any other kind of way. So, I think as a woman, it is necessary to carry our ourselves in a certain kind of way where there's not even a doubt that like you're not going to be able to talk to me about nothing else like this is a business meeting like we're in the studio we're talking about music like we're not talking about nothing else like if you ain't talking about money you ain't talking about business like don't talk to me it's like you got to keep that energy yeah yeah you definitely have to have to keep that energy and it's easy for me to get distracted with music because there's been times where i was like i had to choose do i want to go to this party or do I want to go to the studio? Or do I want to work on music? I just had an argument with somebody close to me recently where we were at the studio and nobody else was in the studio. And I wanted to go out and party. And he was like, Jazzy, why, why do you want to leave the studio when you can be here working on music when you can always go out and party? But at the time, the way I saw it was, I could always come and work on music. Right. You know, so it's always that time where you have to make that decision. Yeah. You know, and, and there's also times where I'm at the studio and it's like five o'clock in the morning. I got to work at eight and I've been in the studio all night. and I'm looking at the clock like, dang, but I don't want to leave because I want to finish the song. So I finish the song and then the next day at work, I'm like half awake, dying, can barely <laughs> even keep my focus, you know, tired, falling asleep at my desk. I know. I, mean, I chose to sacrifice it for my music. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of sacrifices. I mean, not only financially, but our time. I mean, our sleep. I mean, it's really tough. But, you know, people, like, often don't understand, like, why do artists keep such late hours? But people, like, like sometimes some people just get it. It's like they already know. But it's like when you have a vibe, you want to finish a project, you're on to something, you know, you want to just keep on going. And, you know, you're kind of in the zone. And you just want to keep on going. So sometimes it's late nights and early mornings. That's just part of the game. Yeah. The nature of the business. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this back to collaborations. How important is it to get help from someone who knows the business, especially as a new artist? It's very, very important to be to get help from just people in general. You know, you're some a lot. Of, and it's and it's important to develop a team. A lot of the times, I, a lot of the stuff that I know, I, I learned by myself, but it wasn't necessarily by myself because I was, like, going out into the world and learning from experience. Like, I went to South by Southwest. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of South by Southwest, but it's, it's, a, 
it's a festival basically i think it's a thing what you would do yeah, you would, Texas, or like a convention right? basically like a convention slash festival for like movie production and for music and it's just a huge networking event and while i was there i spoke to so many different artists and so many people in the industry and they were teaching me things i never ever knew about that i could go on google and i was able to go and research and i wouldn't ever gain that information had i not put myself out there and asked certain questions when clubhouse first opened up I remember I was on Clubhouse all the time and they had these groups where it was like how to be an independent artist and how to how to own all your music. And that's where I started learning about you can go and you can buy your own ISRCs. And then I learned about this thing called BDS and that's where you have to submit your music so that way you can be on the radio and you could you can be nominated for the awards and I still don't even fully understand I still have to research it more but it was things that I would have never known had I not gone out and had these conversations and been in these networking groups there's so many like networking conventions just even online that they have like these network meetups where it's like somebody in the industry just presenting all their knowledge and everything they know so that way we don't have to work so hard and do all the groundwork trying to figure it out ourselves so any artists out there I would encourage going out to networking events and being around other artists and asking questions and even just going on Google Google is your friend too Google is AI <laughs> this has got a little bit of a mind of its own if you think about it you can go on there and just ask how to be a successful artist how to make money off of your music how to get on a Spotify playlist and then when you don't understand some of that stuff and you need somebody else to explain it to you then you go and you find somebody who knows about it and then you ask them when you need it to get explained to you in more of like Lyman's terms because sometimes it's hard to understand things that's why I can understand BDS all the way I'm like I need somebody to tell it to me a little simpler <laughs> yeah I mean I agree with you there's a lot of moving parts to the music you know there's individuals who've been in the industry for a long time and might not understand like it's so important to have a an account with BDS because they track your spins on radio and that's how that's how you end up on the billboard chart that's how you end up I never up. even knew that yeah I never even knew that before and I didn't know you could own your ISRC codes as well yeah so I've been releasing my music in all these streams come to find out if that's if those songs ever go anywhere they're gonna call distro kid and they're gonna give distro kid the plaque because distro kid owns the isrc code distro kid's probably the one who put it through bds if it's even in bds i never even knew that yeah i mean it's so important to just go on there it's nielsen sound scan so whenever you hear an artist talking about sound scan um talking about how they're on the billboard charts their chart placement for their songs that all comes from bds and they encode music and that's how they track your music whenever it's playing on radio awesome you mentioned distro kid there's so many other platforms yeah. that you can use and it takes a long time to learn all this stuff. it's a lot I've been, doing, I've been doing music for maybe like five six years now and i'm just now learning that aspect of it and i've been using distro kid when i for, for probably like four years so i'm like wow there's so much to it so when you don't know something as well don't be discouraged because it takes a long time to figure out it's like a puzzle you know that's how i look at my music i'm just trying to put all the pieces to my puzzle together yeah i remember, I remember. <laughs> you gotta go out in the world and find all the pieces so yeah. that way you can build the big picture that you want to manifest yeah you're right 
You're right. And it's good to ask questions. You know, sometimes that it takes some humility. And for some people, that means you have to swallow your pride just to know that you don't know something and know that it's yeah. okay to ask a question and have to go to the right person to ask a question. And you know? need to be able to take constructive yes. criticism. Yes. Absolutely. If you can't take constructive criticism, you need to quit music. I'm <laughs> telling you, sometimes they're going to say some mean stuff to you that's going to hurt your feelings. Or you feel like you're a great artist and you're going to play it in a room full of industry people and they're going to hate one of your songs. They're going to be like, hey, this is horrible. <laughs> that doesn't mean you suck as an artist. Right. But that one record that you just played them, that one ain't it. You know, <laughs> and if you're really talented, you're going to be able to take the feedback and know like, okay, because there's, there's there's a bunch of different type of artists and there's artists that, that make money for the love of it or make music for the love of it because they do it for them. But when you want to be an entertainer, artist and you want to be in the industry and you want to make music for other people as well so that way you can make money and maybe be famous or whatever your goal is but if it includes like entertaining and like making music for other people you need to be able to take constructive criticism if you're just doing it for yourself you don't really care and you just want to perform then it's okay your music isn't for everybody but when you, I think when you want this is a cold industry and I've heard some people have said some mean stuff to me sometimes about my music and you have to take it the right way because actually in some in some aspects of it even though it was so cruel sometimes I'm like man you know what he might have had a, a little bit of a point you have to take everything with a grain of salt yeah I mean I, I agree with that and just surrounding yourself with the right people I think that's important too I mean because some people could just be hating trying to tear you down they just don't want to see you win they don't want you to succeed they're just hating on no matter what it is that you do they're not taking your, your craft seriously and they're just basically just waiting for your downfall to happen, yep. you know. So how important is it to find the right environment to make good music? It is very, very, very important to, to find the right environment. And I have many examples for it because I've been in environments where it put me in a writer's block where I wasn't able to make music. And then I've been in environments where I was just creating music nonstop. You know, so it's very important to be able to put yourself in that healthy environment to where you can have a clear, creative mind. Like I was saying earlier is I thrive off of experience and off of inspiration and off of what happens around me in life. So it's really important to me to, to be around other people and to be surrounded by myself. So I would say surround yourself by like-minded individuals, surround yourself by people that you look up to and people that you want to be with. Sometimes surround yourself by individuals who are fun, you can have fun with, but, you know, know your limits. Sometimes you have those people where you love them so much, but you can't always have them around because they're a little bit toxic. Mm -hmm. You got to know how to handle those type of relationships because you don't necessarily need to cut everybody completely off. You just have to know how far to keep people, That's especially good. as an artist, because when you start coming up, people want to leech off of you where, where what we do is fun. So there's always parties, there's always events. Sometimes you get to be around big name people. Sometimes you, you might have the opportunity to be around celebrities. Your friends are gonna wanna come and endure some of those perks, you know? And I've had situations where I brought my friends and they embarrassed me, they didn't know how to act. 
Wow. And I was really sad about it. And I still love them. I'm still friends with them. But now I know. Can't ever bring you anywhere where I have to keep professional. Because <laughs> you don't know how to act. You know? And then mm-hmm. and then just just being able to be around the right people. I've, I, I've been in situations where I was working all the time. And I wasn't surrounded by anybody. But I was like, all I was doing was working. And then I was going home. So in, when I was in that situation, I couldn't even make any music. Because I had nothing around me that was inspiring. I had nothing to write about. What was I going to write about? Working all day at my desk? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I just can't wait to leave. Yeah, Put exactly. It so it's, it's really important <laughs> to just make a schedule, make a list of people, and just know how how, how close to keep, to keep people to you. Because you don't necessarily have to cut everybody off. You know, some people, it's easy for them to just be like, oh, circle small. They get more done like that. But me be, being an artist, I'm, I'm, so I'm, I try to be very social. You know, I'm a social person, but you got to protect your energy at the same time. That's true. And I remember you were telling me about, like, a toxic relationship that you were dealing with where you actually did have to cut somebody off. And it was for your benefit so that you can create a better environment for you to be successful. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so, whew, so my most recent relationship, I dated Ralph Tresman's nephew. I don't know if you guys know who Ralph Tresman is, but he was in the new edition, and he they did the song Candy Girl. Ralph Tresman was the lead singer. He won the first Soul Train Award. Yeah, you need so for the longest time, I really with sensitivity. Oh yeah, that sensitivity. That's like the hit you. one. Yeah. Now, look, I, this relationship scarred me so bad. I don't even really listen to Ralph Tresvan New Edition or Candy Girl. Anytime Dang, he killed on, it for I'm Ralph. Like, Please change the song. Oh no, <laughs> he killed it for Ralph. <laughs> no disrespect to the music, I love it, but I'm like, man, I can't even hear this right now. Wow. <laughs> but you know, he did he did music too, and he was so talented. You know, he could play like every single instrument. He, he, this man would stay up all night long and wake up the next day and I would hear the song that he made and it would just be like the most amazing song. I never met anybody who, with the work ethic that he had. Very, it really inspired me. I think that's why I fell for him so hard. But being with him, it kind of created some competition in, in our music a little bit because when we, we had all these opportunities, we were going out places and people kind of were more interested in me because I was younger than him. They thought maybe I was more talented than him. They just thought I was just more marketable than he was. So it was making him really, really jealous. You know, I remember even one time, he he even pulled me to the side one time and was like, I'm older than you. I have less time to make it. So let me use this time for me to shine and sit back. Hmm. And then when I'm popping and I make it, we're going to make sure you're good. Wow. Yeah, so it was just like it caused like a lot of like tension between us like we were around all these industry people they were telling us that they could get us a meeting with clive davis they felt like my music was so good that i should make an ep they were going to give me a meeting with clive davis play him my ep and pitch myself to him and get him to invest into me as an artist or give me some time some sort of record deal they felt like i was that talented but when he heard that they didn't tell him that they said that for me so when he heard that he was like he couldn't believe it. he was like nope you don't want to do that he was, it was like he was jealous, you know? So sometimes, I don't know, I, all my relationships honestly have been with other artists <laughs> and they never worked out. And it's funny because you think that they would because we both do the same thing and we both do this, like, have the same goals, but 
don't know, for some reason for me, it just, it never worked out. Like, they would always be jealous or if they had a show going on and I wasn't put on the show, it would cause tension or vice versa. So it's just, I don't know. I mean, that's something that's tough to deal with. I mean, especially, I mean, you already have a lot on your plate, you know, working, grinding, networking. You want to build a career for yourself. You want to be successful. And it's great to have a partner who's talented, who can support you. But until it gets to a point where they're actually jealous of how you're coming up, they're jealous of how you're shining and getting this attention. And it's really a shame how a friend or even a lover becomes an enemy. You know, because they they want something that you have. Yeah. That's really a shame. But I remember you were saying, though, earlier, too, when we were talking, you said that a heartbreak, it comes with a hit record. Oh, yeah, girl. Yeah, so everything I've ever gone through when it comes to my music, I've always been, it's always been a blessing in disguise because then I have something to, it inspired me to write. When, when I got out of that relationship, oh, my God, I made the best music that I had ever made. Wow. Just wait. I'm, I'm working on an EP. It's called Forever Unknown. I'm hoping to drop it uh, maybe on June 27th, hopefully. I'm pretty sure it should be ready by then. But a lot of the songs came out of this heartbreak, and even the songs after that. So I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs> that is, that's going to be good. Songs. I remember the first song I, I wrote, though out of this it was like so emotional it's beautiful nightmare it's out right now beautiful nightmare is actually about this relationship because it was so beautiful in the beginning and then it turned into a freaking nightmare wow. <laughs> so i wrote the song beautiful nightmare and i freestyled most of that song in the studio and that would ooh, that song it, it, it helped me like it helped me let go of that situation Wow. I mean, and unfortunately, like, you're not the only person that have dealt with something like that, just up and coming, doing your thing in the music industry, wanting to be positive, just wanting to shine, wanting to be creative and love what you do, and then have somebody that's coming to step on your toes. Like, I remember I was dealing with an ex of mine at the time. And he had a child by somebody who was already in the music industry, already signed to a label, was a writer. And he was like, in a way, kind of piggybacking off of her success. And then once they had a child, I mean, things kind of changed. Of course, the focus had to shift, but there was so much going on in the midst of all that. He was being left off of credits. Uh, He was being left off of copyrights. I mean, and lo and behold, it was the mother of his child who had the keys to all that information and just wouldn't share it with them. She just didn't want him to to have a piece of that. And it wasn't until I started working with him that we got his publishing together, his copyrights and all this stuff. And, you know, this is somebody who had been in the industry for years. You know, it seems like it's a situation where, okay, well, you would think he would have known that by now, especially working with somebody who signed to a label and had so many industry connects. Wow. That in, that information was just kept from him by somebody he had a child with. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's really unfortunate the way that happens. And so you're not the only one. But I think you're right. Like, because during that time, he was making really great music, too. <laughs> just talking about his pain, talking about everything that he went through. He had some really great hits. He was making beats and really had transparent music that he was really keeping it real in the music. So I really had an appreciation for that. So what do you say to anybody who mix business with pleasure oh my god (laughs) if you can mix business with pleasure and do it successfully please let me know please contact me and tell me the secret right (laughs) 
because I'm trying to figure it out. Every time I tried to mix business with pleasure, it never worked out. Maybe sometimes it some way worked out, some some kind of ways in the moment, you know? It wouldn't have been as successful as it would have if we wouldn't have mixed a little bit of pleasure with it. But in the end, it always turned out to be a disaster. <laughs> oh my gosh, oh no. Well, on that note, I'm going to take a quick break so we can play your single. It's called Beautiful Nightmare by Jazzy Wolf. It's available right now on all streaming platforms. Check it out. You're listening to the First Fridays podcast at thegodcollection.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just heard the single Beautiful Nightmare. And basically, the song summarizes what can happen when you're mixing business with pleasure. And you basically have to proceed with caution. You just have to be careful. Like, making music with people even, like, I've made some amazing songs with with, with people I've been involved with. I'm not going to do anything with it now. And it's unfortunate <laughs> of it. But it, it was is. great at the time. Maybe one day we can pull it back out yeah. in the future. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, no, I hear but you. It's hard mixing business with pleasure. It's it's really really hard. You're right. I mean, sometimes things just go south real quick, and it's like it's unfortunate because you know this ex of mine, he makes great beats. He's a great producer, and so I was like, when I first started making music, I'm like, okay, I need to find some beats. Like, I want to contact him, but I don't because I already know what that comes along with. There's a whole host of drama, so that's why I'm yeah. like, you know what? Let me just let me just make my own beats. And like I was telling you in the studio that one day uh, when we met. At Get Busy Living Studios, shout out Five Points Denver. I was telling you that I started making my own beats, and it's because I, I really had to tap into my own gifts, my own talent, and it was through that pain, I had that painful relationship, and I just couldn't reach back out to that person, couldn't mix business with pleasure. It was just like a whole entire mess. I couldn't even reach out to somebody to get some beats from them, but lo and behold, I discovered that I had talent to make beats myself. So, I mean, that was basically a come up for me, so it turned out to be a gift in the end, and then I don't have to split yeah, <laughs> I don't have You're to do right. any extra splits because of that. <laughs> You're so right. Even even my ex, man, he made some really good beats for me. We would stay up all night sometimes, and he would use his like keyboard and make all these beats for me. And then when we broke up, uh, he had all the beats on his computer, Indeed. and I was begging him forever to send. Right? Oh. Some of them I recovered, but most uh-huh. of them are gone. Wow. And I'm so sad about it. And I don't think I, I don't think I'm gonna find somebody like him again that's gonna be able to make those type of beats for me again. I don't have, I'm gonna just have to let that one go. <laughs> yeah, man. For real. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been other situations where there's producers that I want to work with, but they want to date me. So I don't want to work with them because right. they always are trying to flirt with me. So I can't even go in the studio with them and work with them because I, I feel like they want to. In the end, they're gonna be like, so when, so when we gonna when we gonna go out together out after this? When are you gonna let me take you out? Here we go. And I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> like here but we no, go. There, are, there have been some producers that you know, you we're all human. If you want to shoot your shot at me, no shame on you. But when I tell you no, I don't mix my business with pleasure and you don't respect it, then I won't continue. If I tell you, no, sorry, I don't mix my business with pleasure, and you keep it cool with me after that, that's fine. You can compliment me. You can tell me I'm beautiful all day, every day, but don't be pushy. You know, I don't have a boyfriend, so it's fine for you to compliment me and everything. If I had a boyfriend now, and I'm always coming around, and you're like, oh, you're so beautiful, always trying to flirt with me when I come around, then everything's deaded, but... (laughs) I'm single, so you can always tell me I'm pretty, you know, but don't get be too far trying to mix the business with with pleasure, and that's that's always happens to me a lot where I can't work with other artists, or even in the studio. I'm like trying to work in, in the studio and work on my music, and here comes somebody trying to flirt with me, and I can't even sit and write my music. I gotta go like walk away from everybody or <laughs> put my headphones in. <laughs> and that's a tough thing too, because you know what? Sometimes relationships are built off of those kinds of connections where you're working with someone so closely. You see them all the time. Maybe you're in the studio all the time. It, it might be natural to even build chemistry and a connection that way. So it's, it's a fine line too. Like someone could misread something, misread friendliness, especially as a woman. Someone can misread your friendliness, like you're flirting or you're interested in that person. So it's like, how? what's the best way to make it clear to a man that you're working with that hey you're cool and all i appreciate the compliment but let's keep it business like what's the best way to do that without ruining that professional relationship girl i don't even know (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you just might have to sacrifice the relationship you need to just keep it 100 
tell them, hey, you're cool and all, <laughs> but I don't want to mix the business with the pleasure. You know what I'm saying? And then if they're not respecting it, they're still being pushy and you got to keep reiterating yourself multiple times, you might just have to let that one go. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, that might have to be the case. I mean, and that even comes with certain genres. Uh, working with producers who work outside of your genre. I remember I was talking to a friend of mine, and um, she's a vocal coach and a singer who does praise and worship. That's actually how I started singing and performing, doing praise and worship in the church with her. And she was telling me she wanted to work on a Christian album, a gospel album, and she went to go work with a producer in Hollywood, and he worked on secular music, and he just did not want to give her any of his beats. He was like, well, I don't make music like that. I don't do that. And she was like, well, you make these great beats like you wanted to work with me. Here I am. This is the music that I do. So how come you don't want to just give me these beats? It's like she even had to kind of had to find a nice way to just encourage this person to work with her just because the genre was different. And sometimes, I mean, unfortunately, that relationship didn't work out. I mean, he just the way he was talking about it just really rubbed her the wrong way to the point where she did have to just sever that relationship with another great producer. But he had such a problem with the genre of music that she was making a Christian, a Christian artist, she just had to sever that relationship. So it's really unfortunate that that happens sometimes when you come across talented people who could really help your career, but they just don't want to work with you because either they're not getting what they want from you or they just don't want to meet you halfway. Yeah, I used to work with this producer in uh, L.A. I used to record at this studio. And the whole reason I picked him as my producer was because he was producing for Danny Lay and Wolf Tyler and like people that I liked and I wanted to be like right there in LA and I just like saw them tagging them in, in one of their posts and then I hit him up and I'm like hey how much for a session his prices were the same price as normal as normal engineers super affordable so immediately I was booking him I made a bunch of songs but then he started working with, with, with Wolf Tyler and Danny Lay like tough tough he was on. He he was behind making one of their hit records, one of Danny Lay's hit records, and he just stopped replying to my uh, messages. I was so hurt. Wow. So he got too <laughs> Hollywood. So for you. Hurt. He got too Hollywood. And that's why I wanted to work with him because I see myself as I want to be like them, not necessarily the same genre, but the yeah. steps that they follow, the yeah. type of following that they have, yeah. the type of shows, the money that they made. I want to be up there one day. So I was like, well, if I'm working with the same producers that they're working with, I should be able to be there soon enough. Right. And then boom, he's they started getting booked with them and like being, and I saw them posting him on their on their stories and stuff, and I was just like, damn, he done. He's famous now. <laughs> now he's not <laughs> responding to me. He done made it. Dang. Left me high and dry. <laughs> Cold-blooded. Whoever that producer is, that is messed up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like, I'm like, they're probably pay paying him way more than I was. I mean, man, who, he was giving who me knows? Good prices. I was, that's why I really booked him. I couldn't believe it. I was like, it's that easy? And that goes again, too. That's why you got to really put yourself out there and be paying attention and networking. Because you'd be surprised how easy it is to get next to some of these industry people. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So I know when you're working with certain individuals in the industry, especially when you've got some talent, you've got a look, you've got that it factor, you're going to come across some deals. People are going to be throwing these deals at you because of either who you are, who you're associated with, and just based on the strength of your talent. So how can you tell when a deal is a good deal? 
it's so hard to tell when a deal is a good deal, especially as an artist, because we, all we want to do is music. All we want to do is follow our dreams. So it's so easy to be like, oh my God, this person's offering me a deal. And then it's easy to like, just immediately sell yourself short. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's your dream. Right. That's all you want is to just sign the deal. Just sign your so life on the dotted line. Right. You just, you just need to be patient for sure. Um, my dad always told me if somebody's offering you everything you want and more, there's got to be some sort of catch. It's never too, it's never, nothing's ever too good. There's always some sort of catch. Nothing's perfect. So I would say the best sort of deal as an artist, just with anything, is something that's going to allow you to keep control of your payments and control of your royalties and residuals, but also control of your creative control. You know, at the end of the day, you're the artist, you're the brand. Anybody who's working with you, at the end of the day, they're working with you, but they're also working for whoever your brand is, whoever that character is you built for yourself. For instance, Jazzy Wolf. Even me, I work for Jazzy Wolf. Even though I am Jazzy Wolf, there's I'm still my real I'm still me outside of that. Jazzy Wolf is an entertainer. You know, so when you when you get to that point when you're hiring your team, you have to know like Everything needs to be fair, you know, and you need to just make sure you you have creative control and things are going to be the way you want it. It's always good to have somebody that's going to give you guidance and advice and helps you in the right direction. But you don't want somebody that's got to be like, you need to get everything approved every time you want to do something for music. I've had people, my own friends, where I'm like, hey, you want to do music? And they're like, oh, I have to get it approved first. And I get that sometimes, you know, but you don't want to just, you want to be able to, you don't want to be put in a box. Right. You want to make sure you have not only creative control, but creative freedom to make the kind of moves. Yeah. Make the kind of deals that you want to make to take on opportunities when they come your way, when they are good. And then read your contracts. So important to read. There's been a lot of artists that came out that finally were, were finally ready to come out to the public. And, and and came out and said how they got screwed over in the industry because they don't own their music, you know they don't they and they basically got sold short because they signed stupid deals and then the labels are making more money than they are. They're not able to release their music. I can't think of any of them now, but I've always seen a lot of stories that have happened like that. Yeah, I just want to encourage anybody just to take your time. When you're presented with a deal in that contract, no one is saying you must sign that contract right then and there. You have every right to take that contract. Let me take it. Let me read it. Let me go talk to my lawyer. Even if you don't have a lawyer, let me go talk to my lawyer. Find the lawyer too. Right. You know what? There's these things called free consultations. Mm-hmm, exactly. You can go. You can go to a new lawyer for every every contract you got and get you a free consultation every time. Yeah, especially when you know somebody <laughs> that's been working up on you. Hey, you know, you need some legal services. Uh, I got these legal services for you here. You want to sign up? You know, like the the prepaid legal legal shield what have you like even they will help you you can find an attorney to just give you some pointers and give you some advice before you sign anything and just take your time and read over it you know that's the best way to hide something historically the best way to hide something is to put it in writing and you know some of these people who are trying to push these shady deals i mean they're expecting you to not not read it they're expecting you to not really understand what you're reading you see a number you see (laughs) even when you're leasing beats when yeah. y'all are buying them beats on YouTube, are you even reading those leases? 
Got to read it. Because a lot of the times, those are some pretty bad leases. Talking about 10,000. Oh, you own up to 100% for up to 10,000 streams. Then after all them 10,000 streams, 100% of the funds go to the producer. So you buy a beat off of YouTube, you make a hit record. Boom, you getting 5 million plays. But you only got paid for up to 10000 because you but you leased to be. You didn't buy the exclusive beat. You got to pay attention even to just signing your, your leases for your beats. Even those deals are some tricky deals. Or there'll be like no paid, no paid performances or one music video or no, no radio station play. So <laughs> shady. The producers are trying to sell the artists short sometimes with the leases. Sometimes I'm like, why does that music industry have to be so difficult? Like, why does it have to be so complicated? I know, like even the even the producers on Beat Stars be trying to get us. They want us to make a hit record from their song and only give us up streams up residuals up to ten thousand streams and boom, then they own our song. You know what? It's like it should be fifty fifty. It should be, you know, but it's coming out of like left and right. People are just taking out of artists' pockets. I think this is Oh, it's so expensive to be an artist. Oh my god. It really is. I was thinking about it the other day, like, damn, how much money you think I've I wonder I've spent into it how much money and time they say well I think what is it 20,000 hours or 10,000 hours for you to be a professional at something yeah I was thinking well how much money does it take right (laughs) right so that's why it's so important just to give some little free jewels you know I am a psychologist I've done research on how a music artist can be successful in the industry and there is no guarantee that an artist is ever going to make their money back so it's so important just in business in general to keep your overhead low so if you can do something yourself do it if you need to get help make sure you negotiate favorable deals for yourself that's what creating a successful career in music is all about just negotiating successful deals that work for you so you don't need to just grab any deal pay any price and watch those budgets too i mean because you already know there's no telling if you are going to get reimbursed especially if you don't have a deal you know you might get a, a budget where someone just gives you that money to be able to invest in certain things but you might have yeah. to pay it back on the back end you know it might cost you say, more in the long run yeah i would say you should be spending most of your money on creating the music actually creating the content the music videos the photo shoots the studio time and then marketing yeah and copyrights too i mean you all yes, definitely yes, gotta set aside a budget for copyrights because that's how you get Buy paid from ISR sound exchange codes. for sure for all that sure. stuff for sure I mean, even get an llc for your name, I LLC my name. Yeah. You know why I LLC my name? If anybody ever tries to sue me for any reason, they can only sue me for however much the business is worth. Big facts. So I just did it to just protect me for right now because I'm independent. Big facts. I'm so glad you said that because that's why Galidon is a trademark, but I also have a business, a corporation. Because I have multiple layers of protection that way. I mean, because in the music business, you never know. I mean, you might come up with something original, but somebody might come up out the woodworks like, oh, you stole that melody from me. You know, they might try to sue yeah, you. Yeah, I got, I, got, I got some stuff that... I got this hook. Watch, y'all gonna hear it on my EP. I don't know how it's going. I don't know. It might come back around on me because it's. I took it. Say my name by Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Where it's like say my name, say my name. But instead, I said don't say my name, don't say my name, don't say baby I love you. But it's a little bit of a different melody. 
So I'm like, you know what? They might try to get me for that one right there. Yeah, but then even they though it's a different as a remake, I don't think anybody's gonna be like she stole it. But if you think about the copyright issues, there's a certain percentage. I think there's like a certain amount that you can do yeah. without having to get it approved. I, I forget what it is. It's the same way with like cuss words. I think it's like up to five cuss words for it to be not or to be it to be explicit. So you, I think you can have a clean song on the radio, and if you say three cuss words it's still gonna pass and they don't have to block it out it's the same with music and copyright if you do it but a certain amount of it has to be changed up for it to be approved i can't remember it yeah if i'm not courses online that teaches yeah. about it though if y'all ever want to look it up yeah if i'm not mistaken even with uh, melodies or lyrics if you if you do less than 30 seconds you don't have to give credit to someone else or share percentage. Okay, my, my song should be good then. Yeah. Because it's just the hook. And the hook ain't 30 seconds and it's different words. Yeah. But you never know. You never know. Sometimes it does depend on, like, how I'm feeling. I'm like, yo, I totally took this line from such and such. Let me just go like ahead and put Cardi their name B? on the copyright. Did you see how they did Cardi B with the if it's up, up and then it's up? Yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody came back and said they stole that from Cardi B. But, you know, I've been listening to a lot of rap, and they, a lot of people talk about if it's up, then it's stuck in their songs. It's pretty common so on the like, East Coast. It could Coast. have been a coincidence, but yeah. you know what? Cardi B might have also not even wrote that song. That could have been a demo track that they sent to her, and she had to learn it and sing it. I checked the credits. It's like five writers on that song. Five, six hey, writers. Hey, no, 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 no. I never told nobody this before public. I'm about to tell you right now. Tory Lane stole one of my songs. Oh, snap. <laughs> Which one? He that fucking sampled, sampled. He sampled. Maybe it was his producer. Maybe he don't even know I exist. But he sampled one of my songs. I can't remember what it is right now. I got to look up the text message. Man. Hold on. He sampled one of my songs. Um, and I never put it on. Um, I never put it on. It's it's the song that I did with one of my producer friends. His name is Jeremiah. It's actually his song. It's called Feelings. And he, um, we think we the reason why we think Tory Lanez took it is because one of Tory Lanez's engineers and him were friends, and he mm. sent him over the song. He actually sent me a proof of the email of when he sent him over the song and was like, "What do you think about this?" And one day he was just listening to our song, and he was like, um, "He he was like, did you um like he stole our song?" And then I went and I played it, and and what it is was he sampled. He sampled it and put it in the beat. He didn't, like, change the lyrics. Mm -hmm. He sampled the song and put it in the beat. But it was just a SoundCloud track that we did. Did you copy it? We don't know. We know. We don't, he could have... It could just be a little coincidence, but... If you listen well, to it, it sounds exactly the same. I'm trying to find it right now. Because I was going to say, if you if you have the copyright, then you can prove that he had access to hear the song. So that will hold up in court. So you can pursue a case... If you wanted to, I'm not a lawyer, yeah. but I'm just Music saying. Music is timeless. Music yeah. is timeless. So yeah. you know, maybe one day. Yeah, but just yeah, that's so important. I mean, some people they talk about like back in the day, the poor man's copyright. Like, say if you mail something to yourself. Uh, I mean, that's one way, but yeah, really, but that's a way to do it. Too. That's that's a way, but it won't hold up if someone has the actual registered copyright from copyright.gov and you got the official certification back with the, the name of the song. And even when you copyright a song, you upload the song so they can hear how it sounds. So you have something to prove it holds more weight when you go to court. If you want to sue somebody for, for stealing a song or a sample or something like that. And also, if you can prove that that person had access to hear your song, because that actually happened uh, to a friend of mine. He is 
in the, the film industry. And someone had actually stole his idea when they, they came up with the movie Stomp the Yard. He came up wow. with the he came up with the idea first. He made a, a different movie by uh, by a different name. It's called Step to This. Totally the exact same concept. Now he was able to prove that when he did a showing, and I believe he was in um in Inglewood, if I'm not mistaken, California. He was able to prove that someone who worked on Stomp the Yard was at his showing prior to when Stomp the Yard got made. So he was able to win a deal. He got a settlement and all this kind of stuff because he was able to show like, okay, yo, this person was a part of the team who made Stomp the Yard. This person was also at my viewing for my movie way before Stomp the Yard was even made. So he was able to negotiate a way and, uh, and get some good money off of that for, for years. I mean, he was able to eat off of that money for wow. years. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying to anybody. If you think someone stole your song, stole your melody, or whatever, stole your lyrics, make sure you have the copyright, and you just got to prove that that person had access to hear it. And it could hold up in court, and you can win. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely worth it. All right, so I got my one last question to ask you. Now, I know that you're doing shows. You did a show recently. You got another show coming up. You have great stage presence. Now, let me ask you, how much preparation and rehearsal time goes into a live performance? A whole lot. (laughs) Well, you know what? Before I was performing, most of my preparation would be getting ready for the show the day of with my outfit and everything and looking for outfit. But now that I've been starting to do more bigger shows and professional shows where there's more people coming, I found that a lot of time and, and, and money and preparation came into my show. Like, I paid for a photographer to come and film a recap of the video. I bought an outfit. I paid for somebody to do my makeup. I paid for somebody to do my hair. And then even before then, um, I had to sell tickets. I had to promote the show. I had to go online and make sure people were, were knowing where to come, which was, that was a lot too, because a lot of people were asking me questions about it. Where, where is it at? Um, so I had to make sure I was, I was responsive and then just making sure I, I know what I'm going to do on the stage, remembering my songs. And then the day of, you need to make sure you have your show mix ready, your show mix is ready, then that they're going to be on a flash drive. And then that day that I had my show, um, I actually had to work that day. I worked that day wow. for eight hours. And then as soon as I got off work, I was, boom, getting ready, rushing over to get my makeup done, rushing over to my friend's house for her to do my hair, then rushing to the venue for the sound check. And then that. Then the whole time I'm there, I'm just making sure I wasn't going to forget my lyrics. And now I have a new show coming up. I'm performing at a crawfish broil um, in Dan, Danico or something. It's over by Lafayette. It's like 20, 30 minutes from mm-hmm. downtown. And um, it's a crawfish royal. Okay. And this one, I'm going to have dancers uh, performing with me. So now we have rehearsal every single Tuesday for two hours. I appreciate that. I respect that. I see the drive. I see the hustle and the preparation because you, you want to make sure that you put on a good show. Now, what is your tip for remembering lyrics on stage? Oh Do you have a God. method that you use that you can make sure that you remember those I lyrics? Know. <laughs> I never got asked that question before. <laughs> Uh, it depends. Sometimes I forgot my lyrics, <laughs> and I was up there winging it, or I'm singing the old lyrics to repeating myself. It's been some of them times. <laughs> do a freestyle or something real quick. Just, yeah, you know, you just need to practice, and you need to practice it. Yeah. Some artists have their songs um, 
underneath it a little bit and their voice is lowered. Yeah. So that way, if they forget it, at least there's the undertrack. But yeah. If you're doing it like that, you need to make sure you're practicing it so you know how you're going to sing it over your music. Because there's a lot of performances that are bad, and I hear a lot of people always talking about it. Like, man, that guy sucks so bad because he was just yelling over his freaking voice. They couldn't even hear the song. And it's like, you don't even know if the song is good or bad because they're just not even rapping it. They're just yelling over it, or they're just horrible. Or they get up there and they do the, their ad-libs through the whole song. Just the ad-lib performance. Yeah, just the ad-libs. <laughs> wow so it's hard like you just gotta know like i know in certain certain songs like i I have my show mixes a certain way and i sing them a certain way sometimes and like when the hook comes in that's when the vocals are are going to be up louder so then i'm just going to be harmonizing with the hook and doing more ad libs and doing the harmonies and like the Basically, the ad-libs, and it still sounds good, but then the verses come on, and I just need to make sure I know the verses because those are, that's gonna be that's what's going to be lowered. And then I'm doing most of the verses live, and then the hook comes back in, and then I'm going to take a break, and I could think about what I'm going to say next. That's a good idea. And you need to know when you're going to, where, where to breathe, too. Yeah, for sure. You don't want to be all up on branches. <sighs> right. Because you're losing your breath, you know, because you don't even know how to breathe because you're not just standing on the microphone like you're in the studio. You got to walk around on stage. You got to dance. And plus, you have that adrenaline flowing. I went to high school with her. She's really coming up right now. Her name is Christina Mackey. She works out every day. She always posts her workout videos, but she just uh, dropped an EP. She posted a video of her running, and then she was, like, rapping her song while she was running. And she was like, I refuse to be out of breath on stage. Mm -hmm. So I thought about it. I'm like, wow, that's actually a really good way to practice your song. And when you're you're jogging and when you're working out, listen to your own music and just sing your music while you're working out. So that way you can know how uh, how to be out of breath and still manage your voice. While you're running and while you're being on a stage and bouncing around and stuff. Because, man, if you think about it, when I was having my dance rehearsal yesterday, I got out of breath really quick after, like, the first song. And I'm like, dang, how am I going to be able to do all this dancing for four or five songs straight? And I'm already out of breath on the first one. <laughs> wow. Yeah, definitely take I some conditioning. I know not before my show that right. day. I was <laughs> right. <smoking. laughs> right, yeah, it takes a lot of conditioning. I remember, like, back in the day, Diddy had a show on MTV. It was one of the Making the Band seasons where he had the band. It was day 26. He made them, like, run from, like, Manhattan to Brooklyn singing, doing vocal warm-ups to go and get cheesecake. And they just did not get it at first, but he was conditioning them to make sure that they had enough breath support while they were running and jogging that they could still they could still sing and perform. And it was so necessary, even one of them, he had them do it on the treadmill. Like, I want you to sing your song, sing your part while you're on the treadmill, just to make sure you have that conditioning so you're not running out of breath on, yeah. on stage. That's what I'm about to start doing. Yeah, for sure. I know it's definitely helpful just to build up that endurance and make sure that you have those muscles, that breath support. Anybody who does vocal training, just making sure you have enough enough air to support your your vocals, especially when your adrenaline is flowing and you got the crowd screaming, you're a little bit more excited on stage anyway, that can that can affect how much how much breath you have available too. So it's good to be able to rehearse that and spend that time. And you did give a good tip. It's good to have that track underneath you know when you're performing live and that way if you do forget your lyrics you you know the track is still kind of playing that might help you catch up but you know some a and r's 
who who work with brand new artists, developing artists, they don't even recommend that new artists perform live just because of things like that that can happen. Maybe they're not ready. Maybe they do forget their lyrics. Maybe the stage present isn't tight just yet. So, and that's a, it's a good thing too that we're in COVID right now because it gives artists an opportunity to do pre-productions where they can record a performance and release it in a different way. Yeah. So you can get more creative. What really, what really helped me shape performing live was going to open mics. Mm. I used to I used to live in San Diego. They don't really have a lot of open mics in um in Denver. I'm getting ready to start an open mic every Wednesday called Wolf Wednesdays. I was I don't have this the information isn't put together. The first one I think is gonna be on May 29th, but we might end up pushing it back. But it's gonna be every Wednesday. It's gonna be an open mic. That was a safe place that I could go and I could perform and I could practice my music and see how people were gonna react. Cause open mics have such a different vibe and it was just a safe zone for you to get on the microphone and not everybody would sing and do music but it was a good place just it was a good place for you to just practice and have an audience that's true so i would say open mics karaoke do anything you can that's not a, a, a serious show to help build up that confidence because that really would help me and then being around other people who perform then all of a sudden I'm getting I'm I would be performing so much I'm getting to know everybody now everybody knows who I am because I'm always performing all these open mics people started asking me if I wanted to do real performances offering me to do paid shows and it wasn't it wasn't even like the showcases here like like the one at Herman's Hideaway it would be like at a coffee shop at a restaurant you want to come sing for an hour that type of stuff you know what and that reminds me too when you were talking about when you said getting offers to do paid shows now you were saying that when you do live performances just don't do free so is it ever okay to do a free show maybe at an open mic but any other time like you want to get paid right yeah i would say in the beginning when you first start out definitely do paid shows because what makes you worth being paid as an artist you have to think about that but it's always like a, a, a sticky situation like i started off doing free shows but then once i gained the experience then i felt like i was able to start demanding money you know and being like you need to pay me because then i knew i could bring an audience and i could i could fill it out you know, and I, I could bring people. But then again, it's such a weird relationship between promoters and artists because a lot of these times, like, artists are paying for their slots. They're, ba they're basically paying the promoters to still sell the tickets for promoters. That's the way it works. And I've had a lot of conversations with promoters, and I still, I'm still trying to figure it out why they do it like that why can't the artists keep a percentage of the tickets that they sell how come the promoters how come they have to pay the promoters up front and then still not make any money off of it i don't know that the answer but some artists a lot of these shows though the promoters pay certain artists and then the person who goes right after that artist they have to pay they have to pay for that same slot so that's why it's like you need to i still been trying to figure it out that's why you need you need to know like it's almost like gaining experience within like a job. You got to do so much free stuff. You know, you got to do, you got to get so much experience before you get promoted. And I think it kind of, that kind of goes into to, to performing too. You need to know how to bring people. You need to know how to sell tickets. But once you get there, 
and you know, like, hey, I could I could bring at least 50 people here who are going to support me, and they're going to buy a ticket. And not only are they going to buy a ticket, they'll buy drinks at your bar, and they're going to buy food. You deserve to be paid for that show. That's true. But if you're not going to bring at least 25 people, you're only going to bring five people, 10 people, and you're going to take up a 15-minute slot, a 20-minute slot when there's somebody else that might have been able to sell the tickets, you're probably going to have to pay for that slot. Uh, or you're not, you know, or you just, or the promoter's going to be losing money. So it's just, that's why you need to go out and gain experience. So you kind of figure out your own avenue. For everybody, it's different. That's true. For every artist, they have a, uh, their own different niche of finding ways to get paid for shows. That's true, you know, because I know that there's some artists who do negotiate deals where they make a certain percentage off of the money that's made at the bar. Yeah, they yeah. make a certain amount of money that's made at the bar. They make a certain amount of money that's paid for tickets. Yeah. But if you don't have any experience and they don't know who you are, they're not going to offer you those type of percentage deals. They're going to tell you, buy the tickets up front. We're going we're gonna to give you the hard copy tickets, and then you make all your money back through the ticket sales. Yeah. And then once you do that a couple times, then it could be then it's like, hey, okay, now you know I can sell my tickets. I want $10 per ticket. I want $5 per ticket. You know? Yeah, for And then sure. you got to you gotta just... You know, you just have to just prove yourself why you can, why you deserve to be paid for the show. Because at the end of the day, the music is is a money business too. It's not about just let me get on the stage and just show people my talent. Oh, yeah. Those people throwing that show are throwing the show not because they love music, because <laughs> they're trying to make money. Right, they're running a business, and that's the if main thing. If you're doing thing. that, you need to go to an open mic. Right, exactly. That's what the open mics are for. Those people are there because they love music and they love art. Exactly, and that's a major key is the music business. Yes, Beyond but that's why I'm starting. To, I'm gonna start my open mic because I really feel like in a time of COVID, it's gonna help artists who don't have the opportunities to perform come have a safe place that they can come perform. And it's not gonna be artists; it's gonna be poets, comedians, activists who just want to come up and just preach and just say how they feel, you know. And artists sometimes come up there and they paint. Sometimes I used to go to these one open mics and, and for every open mic, they would have a different artist just painting through the whole show. And then at the end of the show, they present their paintings and they would just paint whatever they were inspired by off of everybody's performances. Well, that's going to be exciting. And I can't wait till you do that. So let everybody know where can we find you and when can we find out more information about when you're starting your open mic? You can find me at Jazzy Wolf on all social media platforms. Jazzy Wolf on Facebook, Jazzy Wolf on Instagram. And I do have a website. There's Jazzy.com and there's also JazzyWolf.com. It both goes back to the same place. So that is where you can find information about my upcoming events, my upcoming shows, anything I'm involved in. I try to keep it all updated on my website. And yeah, that's going to be that's going to be the best places to find me. It's just Jazzy Wolf everywhere on all social media platforms. I try to keep it the same. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or plain old jazzywolf.com or jazzy.com. And that's J H A Z Z Y W O L F L. I appreciate you so much. To the A double Z Y. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for doing this interview. That does it for another episode of the First Fridays podcast brought to you by the And we out. Yes, yes. Thank you so much.